You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Good morning. Thank you for the warm welcome. First service was a little tricky for me because my pack wasn't here. But my pack is here now, my wife and my, and my children, so I'm a little more at ease, you know. I, and, and if I have a, an emergency of some kind, uh, Emily would be right on it. She takes good care of me. Um, I want to thank everyone this morning that has served me as I prepared to bring the word this morning. I'm, I'm humbled. My brothers and sisters in here have, I mean, two waters each service moving stuff for you, uh, prayer team praying for you. I mean, it just, it just don't get no better. I have, I have been treated way better than I deserve this morning. So I want to tell you that I love you all and I appreciate you. And uh, this is a good home. This is a good home. We're going to open a word of prayer. Father God, help us open our eyes to your scripture and our ears. Lord, cause us to retain what we learned today, like make it stick to our ribs. Lord, use it to conform us to the image of your son, Jesus, who the whole family of heaven and earth are named after. And Father, fill us with your spirit so that we actually have the power to carry out what we learned today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, my name's Tim. Uh, my wife, Emily, is here. My twins, Izzy and Emma. Izzy will make me pay for pointing her out. <laughs> my son, Eli, is back in children's service. And our oldest two daughters, Hannah and Abby, are out uh, making their mark on planet Earth. They're out of the home now. So we, we only have three in the nest still. But uh, praise God, that just means there's less groceries to buy, amen? (laughs) A little bit about me, I'm a Bengals fan. You can boo me if you need to. Um, You know, I prayed for them that they'd learn to draft, and I don't know, man. I I probably ought to start fasting for them, too, instead of just praying. (laughs) But who (laughs) did? Uh, one of my favorite things in life to do is eat. I love to eat. Since I have been married, we've been married for almost 15 years now, I have really grown. My wife makes sure that uh, I take up plenty of real estate, and I love it. Um, I love guitars. I know way too much about guitars, um, especially Gibson guitars. But my passion the thing that sets me on fire, and I'm fortunate, it's the same thing that sets my wife on fire, is sharing the word of God with people. We just love digging in the word. And the older we get, the more we learn to actually adopt what we read. It's pretty cool. This Jesus thing kind of rubs off on us, you know, and it starts to stick. It's been about a year and a half since I've ministered, um, and that was mostly at the Claremont County Jail. 
and that's for an hour. Like you go in, they lock you up, and they don't come back and get you for an hour. So I have been, I have a built-in clock for one hour, but I need to squish that down to a half hour, and I probably only went over about 15 minutes in the first service, but I have good news for you. Emily will be keeping me in check. I actually love that my wife helps me and takes care of me and keeps me on track. You know, I'm going I'm I'm to take a side note here. If you were looking for a husband and wife, you need to do the same thing that my wife and I did. We just looked at the other person that was serving Jesus with everything that they were worth and picked that one. And the rest worked out. Once again, if you're looking for a husband or wife, you find the man and woman that is serving Jesus at a ferocious pace and following him for all they're worth, or her, then make a covenant with them. <laughs> I, we have been really blessed, haven't we, sweetie? Most of that preaching has been evangelical in nature. Today is more of a teaching moment in the word of God. So I'm learning to adjust to that too uh, because I, I want it to stick. I, I, want it, I want it to really go with us. Like when we pray, does it stick to our ribs? Like get in there like a good old pot roast does, man. That thing gets in your belly and it, ah, mm, love pot roast. But I have an assignment for you. It's right now 11.20. So that means, ooh, I'm doing math in public. At 10 minutes till 12, I got to be done. So when we got 10 minutes left, I want some folks to hold both hands up and let me know that I got 10 minutes left. That way I can adjust accordingly because I'm a wordy fella. You know, if you are cooking up hot roast, I'm telling you now that it may burn. <laughs> now we'll be led by the Lord. We're going to continue with our third installment of our series, Toxic Unresolved Conflict. Now, we live on a big planet, and everybody's got an opinion, right? Everybody's got thoughts, and everybody wants to be important. That is bound to bring some conflict into our lives. You know, sometimes that conflict Sometimes that conflict can really become intense out of the deep passion and preferences that we have in life. We want our preferences to be known. And not only do we want them to be known, we want them to be accepted. We all like to be accepted. But you know, the, the fact about conflict is that there's some conflict, this inevitable conflict, that actually requires our engagement. You know, when people lock on to us and they, they want us to be in conflict, we can, we can brush some of that off. We don't have to accept it. But there's some conflict that you and I are required to be involved in. It's just the way it is. You know, good versus evil. We need to be involved with that. Right versus wrong. We need to be involved with that. 
standing against genuine affliction and degradation of people. That requires our attention. Matters of truth and true faith. That requires you and I to be involved. It's necessary and it's important conflict. See, Jesus didn't sidestep all conflict. Jesus took on our major conflict, as Pastor Phil talked about, and and he cleared up our conflict with God so that you and I can approach God and be one with God. That's That's what his sacrifice did for us. And Jesus also spoke out against right and wrong. He did these things. But there's a unique thing about the way Jesus did it. John 1.14 says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means we got to handle God. We have seen his glory, glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. I was telling in the first service that I, that, that I have a, a tendency to lean to the truth side. Even when it's laid on me, man, just if you got to tell me something that's truthful and I won't like it, just slap it on me. I'll get used to it, you know? But, but I, I have that type of personality. But my Savior, my King, he's grace and truth. So in other words, he presents the truth but he gives me some room to grow used to it. He gives me some room to wrestle with it. He gives me some room to come to it and forgive me for where I have violated truth. Even when Jesus confronted people who were just flat out mean, he made sure they got truth and he made sure there was a means of reconciliation should they choose it. Jesus had this thing mastered. So we're gonna take a look at scripture today and see how we can solve some of negative things that we get involved in with conflict. You know that scripture we're talking about there, John 1, 14, and it causes me to ask myself a few questions. In conflict, do do I present truth in a graceful manner? Is there an avenue for peace with me when people deal with me if we're in conflict? Can people that have conflict with me see a faithful representation of Jesus? When they're experiencing sandpaper with me, do they feel like they can still approach God or do they feel like I'm in the way? Am I caught in unnecessary and perpetual conflict all the time? I'm asking you to ask these questions to yourself too. And here's the big one. Am I toxic? Only you can answer that for yourself. And looking back at this, I'll be truthful with you. We have had several years really full of conflict in our life. So I got plenty of examples to look at. And because I'm growing in the grace of knowledge of Jesus Christ, I can tell you that I got some of that conflict right. I handled some of it right. But when I'm really truthful, 
and I bounced my life off the word of God and the spirit of truth, I found out that I failed in some of that conflict. So I wanna know, how can I get it right? How can I limit conflict? How can I have less conflict? And if I do enter conflict, how can I make sure that it really counts? Is it worth it? So the four, there's four, like I said, there's four points that we're gonna look at on reducing or minimizing the conflict in our lives. It all requires us to let go of something. Just let go. See, we all have a, 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 a way that we present ourselves, an image. We all have something that we want others to see when they, when they look at us. I was, I was, in the first service, I was talking about getting ready to speak this morning. I laid my clothes out. And I, I got a sport coat on, you know, button-up shirt. And, and I got that all ready because I wanted you to know I was taking what I was doing seriously. It communicates a little bit of professionalism, possibly. I, you know, at least in my mind, I, I've got a mentor that tells me that if I don't wear at least a sport coat, I can't even hear the Holy Ghost. You know, <laughs> that's nowhere in the Word of God, but that was his opinion. <laughs> but, but this tells you that in the preparation, I at least took it a little bit seriously. But I'm wearing the blue jeans to tell you that I don't take myself too seriously, right? And I didn't wear a tie because I don't want you to think I'm a Pharisee, right? And I just wear the boots because that's what I like to wear. They're comfy. I'm a product of the 80s, you know? Man, this service has a whole different feel. Amen. I like it. Let's go to Romans. We're going to be in chapter 8, verses 28 through 39, finding out a little bit more about the image that we present, what that's really supposed to look like. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. In other words, that's the design, the way it's supposed to be, what's gonna happen once you get involved with this Jesus predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So the plan of salvation is actually designed for you and I to look like Jesus. And those who came, he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. Those who he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? If it is God who justifies, who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You hear that? He's praying for you right now. Not only did Jesus save us, but he praying for us. You ever thought about that? 
God's praying for you? That, we go home on that one. Jesus is praying for me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels, rulers, nor things present, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, that means anything, even the people that you and I are in conflict with, anything in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, it's our identity issues that allow us to be consumed by this conflict. When the fact is, is that our identity, rather than the image that we've created for ourselves, our identity is in the family of God. When you and I come to the terms that this covenant that we have with Jesus is changing us, making us new, and conforming us to be like him and to act like him and behave like him, when we come to terms with that, that identity, that family, None of this stuff, this tribulation, uh, even if they come to kill us. Man, if I change my perspective and get focused on the fact that Jesus is preparing a kingdom and I get to be in it, if I'll change my perspective to that, my little insecurities will start to wash off, folks. And let me tell you something. I got them. I got them. But if I allow my identity, my truth, my facts to be that I'm being conformed to an image of Jesus, then I can have some confidence in the God who saved me. Amen? Is everybody with me? All right, praise God. See, we all have a a vision and a desire of what our life will look like and be like, but the plan of salvation is to conform us, for us to look like the one whose name we bear. I shared a a story, and I'm going to share it again. Uh, We got a little house. We've got one bathroom in that booger. My son was in there to uh, get a shower last night, so I knocked on the door, and I said, hey, hey, bud, is the curtain closed? He said, yeah, and I went in there, and I did my business. And then I said, uh, I I kid around with Eli a lot, and I said, uh, who's that in there? He said, Eli. I said, Eli who? He said, Eli Wade Burton, your son. And I said, oh, you got something figured out, don't you? He said, yeah. If I got your name, I got your stuff. That homeschooling is working. He knows that he bears my name. So therefore, since he bears my name, the password was Burcham. That's the password that says you belong in this house and everything that's in it, you have access to. All the provision, all the grace, all the forgiveness, all the correction. You girls bear my name. You have access to my stuff. And that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. 
we bear the name of Jesus. So we have the access. So when all of this conflict comes, all this stuff, all the accusers, all the condemners, all the ones that want to diminish your image, all the ones that want to say you're guilty, you say to them, you don't know my name. I know my name. I'm named after the one that all of heaven and earth is named after, King Jesus. See, a lot of that conflict gets mighty little when we keep our eyes on the truth of the word of God, doesn't it? I want you to have confidence in the covenant that you've made with Jesus. More importantly, the covenant that he has made with you. If you keep your eyes on the covenant, your confidence remains high and all of these folks and all their problems get littler because your perspective is on the kingdom of God and the things that he is accomplishing in your life. Man, that'll make a Methodist shout. I'm, this stuff's like coming out deep this time. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, you're learning when you're preaching. But I'm starting to realize I've really minimized Jesus here lately in my life. I got to start letting him be big like he is. You know, there is conflict. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I've, I've got a big mouth. There's a lot of folk don't like me. but they need to learn my name. I belong to Jesus. I may be rough, but he is not through with me. He promised in his word that he will finish the work that he started in me. So if you don't like me yet, hold on because he's working on me. That's just the truth of the scripture. You know, this, some of this stuff is funny and I'll throw these, sling these little jokes out and each service is kind of different than the other. But, but the fact is, is that my little jokes don't mean a thing. The thing that matters is what the word of God says about Jesus and what it says about you. And when you get them too connected, all of this conflict really don't matter. Perspective, know your identity. Sean Mann said something to me on Thursday night, and it sticks with me. I've asked his permission to share it. He said, yes. He said, it's time for us to doubt our doubts and believe our beliefs. Like, we got to stop just knowing what we believe. And, and, and you know what? I'm all for making sure it's right, and it adds up but we got to start believing what we believe. Real belief takes action. We need to start taking some action on this Bible stuff, folk. See, we start worrying about our calling and our purpose and, and some folks doubt it. And our justification, you know, Ah, oh, you might know Jesus, but I know you. I know who you really are. You know, the accuser. I know you'll fail for the week's over. And then our glory. You know, everybody wants to be cheered on. 
Everybody likes everybody to clap when they win the race. But the fact of the matter is, is that our purpose, our calling, our justification, and our glorification is Jesus's. So if our identity is with him and what he has accomplished, if he says you're justified, you're all right. If he says you're glorified, guess what's happening? There's glory falling on you. That's what the scripture says about you. Never mind my big mouth today. If you leave with one thing today, know that in Jesus Christ, you have a purpose Know that you have a calling in him. Know that you are justified, that what the accuser said is gone and has been erased by his blood. Okay? You know that. That's what the word says about you. That's truer than me standing in this room right now. And the glory to be revealed when he gives you a new body that lives for all eternity like his glorified body? Oh, come on. That's our reality, folks. We're so worried about all this temporal little planet that we live on with all these finicky human beings that we abide on this place with. And the fact of the matter is, is we need to get focused on the one that created us. The Bible says that Jesus created us. It says we were created by him and for him. And in him, we live and we move and we have our being. That is your purpose. That is your confidence. That is your solution to the conflict. It's just a matter of whether you and I are gonna turn the voices off or not. And really believe what the Bible says about this. Start washing our minds with what the Bible says rather than what they say. I know who your they is. I got a they. You know, I go to work. I don't just hang out in the church and every minute of every day, praise God, I, I, love, I love church. I love everything about it. I even love the messed up stuff about church. When we've had to move on, it breaks my heart, rips me to pieces because I love the church of the living God. If it were up to me, we'd all have church seven days a week. I, that's just the way I am. That's the way I'm wired. I like church people, man even the messed up ones. I love the word of God. I love God's people. I love being in the building. Man, I even like some of the messed up traditions that we've created. Like wearing a tie to hear the Holy Ghost. Man, folk, if this was a full-blown Pentecostal church, I would have been in here today in a suit and a tie and them shoes would have been shined up and I would have been hearing God real good, amen? <laughs> now, can we, la can we laugh at some of the culture that we have? We have very unique culture. It's different from church to church. Praise God, in our culture here, I can wear blue jeans, man. These things stretch a little bit. I buy them old man blue jeans that stretch. <laughs> We're getting real, aren't we? <laughs> I just want you to know that if you are confident in the things that you read in the Bible, your identity is handled. And it is in Jesus, and it's not in this thing that you've created. Anything that you've created, you've got a, you got a, a, a mind. You've got a mind that's, that's been on a broken planet, and it can only imagine so much. 
But Jesus' mind has an eternity for you, and it's absolutely beautiful. What they say does not matter. Man, if I worried about what they said, I'd have quit preaching 15 years ago. That's a fact. Emily and I would have never gotten married. Man, we, we got engaged, and there was all the folks that come up and were excited about it. And then folks come to her about me and say, you don't really want to marry him. They did. Look at her shaking her head, yes. And you know what? Then, then them folks, after they got done whispering her ear, they'd say, you don't want to marry her. You don't want to marry her. Have you seen her history, her past? Have you seen his history, his past? We both just said, Jesus said we get married, so we're going to get on with it. <laughs> we're busy serving him. We don't got time to listen to you. And you know what? We're, we're, we're coming up on 15 years. They were all way wrong because they didn't even give us a year. They didn't even give us a year. And, and you know what? I can see their point to some degree. She's pretty stubborn. <laughs> now we got to let go of our ineffective attitudes. That's the second thing that you and I, Jesus isn't going to let go of these things for us. We have to do it. We have to let go of these, these fears and insecurities and things that, that upset us and our, and our desire to control. We have to let that go. We, that's a part of taking up your cross and following Jesus. You know the problem with a cross? Something's got to die. Anybody hear that? The problem with a cross is something's got to die. You see the cross go up, something's dying. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine and abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know what? If we got busy with that one thing alone, showing each other honor and outdoing each other in it, the fact of the matter is, is that we'd have a whole lot less conflict in the church. And you know what? The fact of the matter is, if Jesus is justified and glorified and called and, and, and forgiven and done all those things for everybody else, we owe him a little honor. That's pretty good, isn't it? Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent. And that means... Get, get busy about doing good works. You know, people, a lot of people, when they come to Jesus, I don't know what to do, I don't know. Do something good. Jesus went about doing good. It, it's, it's, man, this Christian stuff is a whole lot easier than what we make it. It's just about being new, being made whole, and then get on with following Jesus' directions. Don't get much simpler, does it? The reality of carrying that out may be difficult, but the fact is, if we just focus on these basic things, these basic things, contribute to the needs of the saints. You know what? People complain less when they have their needs met. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be compassionate to people and what they're going through. Let's stop ignoring each other's problems and do something about each other's problems. Amen? Let's get involved in one another's life. Sometimes the Jesus you need might look like me or might look like you. See, just because Jesus is conforming to his image doesn't make us all physically look like him. It's the attributes that we look like. The actions. Don't be haughty. 
or wait, hold on a second, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. In other words, don't be arrogant, but associate with the lowly. Pick the folks that nobody else wants to pick. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That whole set of Christ-like attributes or fruit of the spirit, as it's called in other parts of the Bible, eliminates a whole lot of conflict. Because even if my enemy knows that I'm not going to shoot him in the back when he turns, he can be at peace with me. If my enemy knows that I have his basic needs in heart and in mind, he might let go of the battle. He may never agree with me, but he might let go of the battle. See, it's actually applying the things we read in scripture and living them out. Letting go of ineffective attitudes. Adopt effective Jesus attitudes. Now, let's talk about a third thing. Letting go of unrealistic expectations. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which, once walk, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's what we used to be, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dirty, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You and I, we didn't deserve salvation. Jesus did it because he created us, loved us, and wanted to redeem us. So when are we gonna start giving each other a little bit of slack? We got to stop looking at sinners and being so shocked that they're sinning. Because when we were sinners, before we were converted to Jesus, that's all we knew how to do. We naturally did the wrong thing. We've got to stop expecting sinners to behave like us. They're never gonna. It's never gonna happen. And for the ones that do come to Jesus, the ones that do want to be born again, we got to be patient with each other as we learn to grow. I am so thankful for brothers that really walked this out with me. There's a gentleman by the name of uh, Jerry Patterson that when I first came to Jesus, that brother used to knock on my door and say, come on, man, we're going to go witness him. Come on, man, let's get in scripture. Come on, man. And then, and then he'd go, he'd show up once in a while. He'd go, oh, you let that Budweiser devil bite you. Come on, we're going to pray that thing off of you. 
And he helped me learn how to be free from the sin. And he stuck with me until I received the deliverance that God had for me. He gave me grace. And he didn't expect more out of me than I was capable of. He, he knew I was the redeemed. He knew I wasn't the redeemer. Let's let go of the unrealistic expectations that we place on each other. And you know what? Let's put big expectations on all of us that have started to mature in the faith. That's appropriate too. When all the people of God are doing what they're supposed to be doing, there's a whole lot less conflict because everybody ain't pointing around, looking at each other going, look what needs to be done. We're just doing it. Here's our last point. This is gonna be quick because it's a very easy point, but this may be the most difficult one to handle, to actually really get our handles on because there's something about a train wreck that people like to look at. Hey, come on, man. We all go down the highway. I hit my brakes to see what's wrong with the car wreck too, don't you? Everybody say, no, I don't rubberneck. Come on, man. Jesus, Jesus saves liars too. <laughs> we all look. We can't help ourselves. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with the conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. You holding on? All that stuff, somebody just stays bent on. Listen to this. Listen to this. Let this rip through your mind, your feelings, and your emotions right now. Avoid such people. Worship team, if you guys could get ready. This is certainly very straightforward. But we have to stop volunteering for conflict. Avoid toxic people. Avoid them. Pray for them. If you must interact, interact with kindness and allow them to see Jesus but don't camp out with them. Man, that right there is setting somebody free right now. I know that. I just know that because well, sometimes we just don't go over this part. We, we, we've got slogans like, we got slogans like love the sinner, but hate the sin and, 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 and just love people, love them. We'll love them so much until they give in to Jesus. And right, we do need to love people and we need to take care of people and we need to give people grace. But you are also a son and daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ and he is not signing you up for abuse. Let go of toxic people and toxic relationships. You have to do it. What do we got here? We're all on these things 24 hours a day, man. When the text comes, don't even read it. 
the leap. When the phone call comes, don't even engage. When somebody who's just bent on making your life absolutely miserable as possible, go the other way. It's hard to do. I know it's hard to do because there's something about us that still wants to interact and thinks we can fix something, but allow God to fix them. You can't. You're not a savior. You know the savior. You are the saved. I just don't hear this much in the modern church. I'm gonna labor the point just a little bit more. Let go of toxic relationships. Don't you worry, girls. You bring a toxic boy home. I got it. Probably gonna have to repent afterwards, but I got it. (laughs) Don't bring no toxic boys to my house. Four daughters. Yeah, pray for me. It's, it, it's absolutely beautiful. I had no idea what living with all females was like, and then I was up in the middle of it, and I've learned that there are more emotions and genuine emotions on this planet than I ever really knew how to cope with. And I'm, and I'm, I'm learning, aren't I? I'm learning. Or, or I, yeah, 15 years. And I used to try to do something about it. Now I'm learning. Now I'm learning. If I listen, if I'll just listen, this sin too will pass. <laughs> I absolutely love my wife and I love my daughters. But it has taught me more the truth about what love really genuine is, what it's about. Let go of toxic people. Don't even latch on to them. If Jesus died for you, and I say this very carefully, you're allowed to value yourself. So we learned four things today. We learned to let go of the image that we've created for ourselves. Cooperate with that transformation that Jesus is doing. We've learned to let go of ineffective attitudes. We've learned to let go of unrealistic expectations. In other words, give people some room to be people. And last but not least, we've learned to let go of toxic people, people that are just bent on having controversy with you at all times. I'd really like to... uh, slow down here for a second as the worship team gets prepared and really slow down for an invitation today. Some of us are always involved in toxic and conflict and we can't realize even how we end up in it. I want you to be free from it today. I'm gonna ask you that if you just seem to be that person that's always caught in conflict. I'm gonna ask you to talk to Jesus about it today. Tell him about it. Say, Lord, everywhere I go, it follows me. It comes to me. Talk to him about it. Ask him, what's causing this?
And when he shows you, let it go. Let go. Lay it all down. The song was saying, lay that stuff down. Let it be, let it pass. Start focusing on your identity in Jesus. I've, I've heard the message, identity in Christ, for probably 10 years now. 10 years now, pastors labor and labor and labor on our identity in Christ. And it really is less about who we are and how much he is and how much he wants to provide when we stop providing for ourselves. Now, if you stand up, if you come up for prayer, either way, that's gonna be just fine. But if you feel like you need help, there's gonna be folks up here ready to pray with you. And I'm gonna tell you something about folks that pray with you. They listen, and it's between you and them. But really confess it today. Get free from it. Get free from this toxic life. You're a child or a daughter of the king. This toxicity is not for you. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.